Greetings, and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me as usual is Patrick Brewer. What's up, Patrick? How are you doing today, man? Just uh, reading some Dexter Fowler news here. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, some some interesting news that just came across the wire. Uh, it's baseball, and, and anything can happen, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we're very excited today to have uh, a Padres uh, legend with us, basically, a, a Padres broadcaster, Mark Grant, is here with us today. How are you doing, Mr. Grant? Hey, guys. How are you doing? James, Patrick, uh, glad to uh, join you guys. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. We always love uh, talking baseball with you and and, uh, and talking other uh, other things uh, that matter to the Padres as well. All right. So we're here with uh, Mark Grant, Padres broadcaster. And the uh, first question I'd like to ask him is just basically uh, his impression of the team now and uh, what he's thinking about A.J. Prell and, and what he's doing. Well, uh, thanks for having me, guys. And you know what? First of all, a lot going on. What a difference from last year to this year as far as spring training is concerned. Uh, when, when all the rules were made during the winter meetings last year, I mean, I was excited. And I'm sure you guys were excited, a lot of people, because there were some changes that had to be made. And it wasn't just like the, the Padres were standing pat. So to get the big-name players and, um, you know, start spring training with that uh, that, that lineup, or that roster, you know, everybody was on board. Things didn't work out that way. There's no guarantees. We all know that. But, And it was kind of a shame because I was hoping A.J. Uh, put together the right mix. Um, but, you know, what? In, in this year, you know, the one thing that I like that A.J. did, he, he kept the top three guys in the rotation, which is nice. Yes. Uh, Ross, uh, Kashner, Shields. Um, you know, he already announced his opening day starter. But, you know what, though, um, you know, with some uh, some younger players, guys who got a little taste of the big leagues last year, uh, they lose a lot of pop with Justin Upton. Somebody's going to have to pick up that slack. But I just like the whole culture change and the whole thing. Um, it didn't work last year, so AJ's trying to mix it up. And um, I, I like uh, I like the attitude of Andy Green and what uh, AJ Preller has to offer. Definitely, definitely. You know, talk talk a little bit more about Andy Green. I know you've had a conversations mm-hmm. with him. You've had a chance to talk to him. You know, everyone always talks about how he motivates and you know how well he he speaks and carries himself. You know, give give us a little uh, in depth on him and, and what you think about Mr. Green. Well, James, what I've what I've read and what I've seen. You know, I watch those little clips daily uh, when the Padres, you know, on their website talk when when Andy Green meets with the press and you know he, he's saying all the right things. But you, you know, somebody can say the right things, but when they have that passion, it really comes through. And, and Andy does have that passion. Um, I like what he had to say in his first meeting with his team. Um, you know, it's about accountability. It's about changing the culture. It's about getting better each and every day. And you know, that that goes a long way. Not only with the you know the veteran guys, but also the younger guys too. He's going to make an impression. He's going to try to do the best he can to try to ride these guys and get them get the best out of them. And in the one the other thing is, uh, if you know he comes into camp saying, "You guys, we want you to be coachable." Uh, none, none of this, like if a mistake is made, you know, it's, we're not just going to not say anything about it. And you know what? I was thinking about this, guys, before when, when people ask me about Andy Green. You know, in the NFL, for instance, we see, you know, the defense when they're on the sidelines. They're in their little groups and they're talking to the coaches. You know, they're doing a lot of coaching. And in baseball, it seems like when a veteran player makes a mistake or does something, you don't see a lot of coaches going up to that player. I think that's going to change. And I think that's a good thing. Why, why, I mean, the coaches are there to coach. Players, no matter if you're a rookie or a veteran guy, you need to sit down with the coach and just the, the, the simple question might be from the coach, hey, I just want to know what you were thinking right there. And I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's, it's, it's interesting that he's able to coach him up or that he wants to coach him up 
and, and that he preaches about accountability because you know the game of baseball is, is you, you're ever learning in it. You know the most seasoned veteran uh, is going to learn things here and there during the season and shouldn't be afraid to do that. So it's, right. it's refreshing to see him in, in that regard. Yeah, and you know what? I, I called a lot of people when Andy Green was hired as manager. You know, I did some scouting too. I called around. I know a lot of people in this game, and uh, a lot of people do that. And I called some people that I really, really respect in the game and uh, respect their opinion, and they had nothing but rave, rave reviews to, about Andy Green. So uh, one of my best friends in the game, uh, another announcer, uh, I called him. And when, when he told me the good things that he had uh, seen and known about Andy Green, I mean, to me, that goes a long way. So I'm excited for Andy, and I'm excited for the new culture in uh, Pottery Spring training. Yeah, Mark, I'm certainly excited for uh, Andy Green as well. I think he brings something new to the team. But I wanted your thoughts on, I guess, kind of what you feel like the difference is between Bud Black and Andy Green maybe, at least mm-hmm. in your experience so far and what you've heard around the league. Yeah, well, being around Bud Black for so long, I was a bit – big Bud Black fan. But you know what, though? When, when, somebody, when you don't have success as a team and you have a manager for a long time, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say things are, would get stale. For me, you know, it never got stale. I can only speak from my standpoint as a player. Um, always tried to be energetic and positive. Um, Buddy went about it his own way, just like the other 29 managers go about their business the whole way. And a lot depends on your players and your roster as well. Um, Buddy was a motivator in his certain way. Um, Andy Green is a different type of motivator, different type of words, different type of phrases, and sometimes that's, what's an or- that's what an organization means. I mean, let's face it, the success of a ball club depends on the nine guys on the field and the 40-man roster and the 25 guys. Um, and, you know, this, can, this conversation can go a long way and often different tangents because, you know, there was a time, believe it or not, Joe Torre was a, quote, horrible manager. There was a time <laughs> when Bobby Cox was, quote, a horrible manager because they had terrible teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they know the game. They definitely know the game. But a lot has to do, uh, you know, over 90% has to do with the, the players you put on the field. So, um, but I, I like the way Andy Green's going about it to try to push these guys and tell them that, hey, we need to get better. Everybody um, has to be accountable. Um, everybody, you know, I'm not going to say who the leaders are going to be. You're going to take it upon yourselves to be a leader. And, and, I, and I really like that. Yeah, I kind of like what I'm seeing from Andy Green so far. I mean, obviously don't know too much about him because he's still relatively young in terms of being a manager. Obviously his first uh, big-time gig. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely seeing a, a change from Bud Black, and I think that change was needed, especially with A.J. Preller in town. I, there's a new, I guess, line of thinking from the old general managers and the old line of thinking. So I think the change was, was necessary at this point because Bud Black had been around so long, and it was right. like you can't blame him for losing, obviously, because there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot that goes into it. But I think at, at some point you get to the point where it's like we need to do something different and try to make it better, you know? No question about it. And um, with AJ coming in, you know, and it just wasn't AJ that was interviewing Andy Green. A whole bunch of Padre personnel sat down and talked with them. And I talked with people for the Padres, too, that I, I really respect uh, that have been in baseball a long time, and they raved about him, and uh, they feel like it was the, the right move. Everybody goes about managing their own separate way, uh, their own certain ways. Everybody has their own little – um, way of going about it. Uh, Bud Black was different than Andy Green. Andy Green was different than Bud Black, but you're right. Uh, it was time for a change, and uh, hopefully this change, this new chapter, is uh, is a good one in 2016. Yeah, so far I'm definitely liking what I'm hearing from people I've talked to, and I mm-hmm. guess liking what I'm seeing so far in spring training. So definitely looking forward to the season in that regard. 
So uh, going back to what you said about – you made a point about leaders on the team. Um, who are your leaders, do you feel like, for the 2016 Padres? Like who are you looking forward to seeing play the most? Well, you know what? Um, th- that's kind of a – you know, Matt Kemp being around for a long time, he has the chance to be a leader. Can he be a leader? I, I don't know. Um, you know, Derek Norris being the catcher. You look at the course of history and uh, you look at guys like – and I'm throwing out big names here, but um, in, by no way am I comparing – um, but I'm talking about the position itself, um, you know, the catching position. You talk about Hall of Famers like Johnny Bench, you talk about Gary Carter, um, even guys that don't have to be um, uh, Hall of Famers like Bob Brenly. I thought Bob Brenly was was a leader, and he went on to be a manager. Um, see, that's, that's a title to where you really can't pin it on somebody. Somebody has to step up and, uh, and make, that, make that distinction. Um, I, I hate to throw names out there. Um, you know, Will Myers, he's still relatively young. He's been hurt. You need a guy who's going to be there each and every day, who's going to um, speak, not over-speak, but speak with, his, speak with his glove, speak with his bat, speak with his, his, the way he walks, um, the, the, the walk that he has as far as, you know, what he does without talking, his, his work ethic and stuff like that. So somebody needs to uh, – and it can be a pitcher. I think it can be a pitcher. Um, a lot of people say that it can't be a pitcher. It's got to be an everyday guy. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? It might be It might be an Alexi Ramirez. Who knows? Uh, I, I can't put my finger on one certain player. But, um, you know, it might be a John Jay. Uh, but uh, that, that's something that has to be figured out in that clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and they, something that seemed to be lacking last season, I'm sure the Padres are, are working on developing, you know, that, that type of uh, mindset, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mark, talk talk to us a little bit about the, the time that you spent with the Braves. Um, you know, seeing Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, and even Steve Avery up close, and yeah. you know the preparation that that they you know went under, and the the type of leadership that they provided for the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I was there at half. Uh, let's see, I got traded in the middle of '90, and then spent half of '90, and then all of '91. I was hurt, but got a chance to. Uh, experience what they were all about. And, um, you know, a lot of people forget that Tom Glavin lost 16 or 17 games his rookie season. A lot of people forget that John Smoltz lost the double digits in his career early on. And um, they basically learned uh, at the big league level. But, uh, you know, they those two guys in particular, they just reeked of confidence. Um, they were humble. Um, they never made excuses. Uh, sure, they had talent. Um, but they, to see them each and every day compete was something that kind of rubbed off on everybody. Now, Steve Avery, you know, th- this kid coming out of high school and then, you know, next thing you know, he's in the minor leagues for a little bit and then he's pitching in the NLCS and just sawing mm-hmm. off bats against the Pirates was something to see too. And once again, what did he possess? He possessed that confidence, that that uh, that work ethic, that uh, each and every day come to the ballpark trying to get better, which, which Andy Green's trying to – talk to uh, his players about about coming to the ballpark and getting better each and every day so uh, those are the things that stick out to me when I talk about guys like Glavin and Smoltz and Steve Avery at such a young age nice nice um you know out of out of the top three uh Padre starters uh Shields Ross and Kashner um which of the three do you enjoy watching the most in, in, as far as pitching is concerned Tyson, Tyson Ross and I, I don't even skip a beat when I say that because he's just you know I remember seeing Tyson in Oakland I remember we played up at the Coliseum. I forgot what year it was, but Tyson made a start, and he was, you know, he had a good arm. But gosh, he was just all over the place. He was just uh, very inconsistent. Even his body language on the field, on the mound, was um, 
uh, it was different than right now uh, with the Padres. But mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. the the mid '90s fastball is sexy. The two the two seamer uh, sinker is 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 awesome. The the biting slider, you know, when when guys swing and miss at that pitch, seventy five percent of the time, that's that's telling you something about that pitch. So he's yeah. dominant. Yeah. Um, he can stop a losing streak. Uh, he's a great kid. He works hard. He's coachable. Darren Balsley told me that he's coachable. You know, he, he could be in the bullpen before a game and Darren could say, Darren told me this. He said, Hey Tyson, this didn't happen, but he, he could go up to him and say, Hey, I want you to try to strike out 27 guys tonight. And Tyson would look him in the eye and say, okay, okay, coach, I'll try to try to strike out 27. He could say, Hey, I want you to try to get, I want you to try to get 27 ground ball outs. He goes, okay, I'll try to get 27 ground ball outs. He's coachable. He's a great kid and, uh, you know, obviously a, a great talent as well. Uh, speaking of, of Darren Bosley, how much of uh, Tyson's success do you credit to, to Bosley? Because, I mean, in Oakland, he, like you said, he struggled a little bit, came over here, yeah. and he really turned around his career in a big way. So how much of that do you think is, is Bosley, I guess, coaching, helping him out? Yeah, you know what? I think it'd go both ways. Tyson mm-hmm. would say Darren is huge, and Darren would say Tyson is huge. It's yeah. all on him. <laughs> You know, because that's just the way they are. But mm-hmm. with yeah. the track record of Darren Balsley being, you know, this, gosh, what is uh, 10 years now, 11 years for Darren Balsley being pitching coach? Um, I, I've lost track, but he's turned around some guys. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he, I just learned so much. You know, the old cliche about learning something every day at the ballpark. I go into that coach's office each and every day and I talk to the coaches, try to pick up something different. But, you know, even being a pitcher, talking to Balsley and uh, going over the mechanics and, you know, I find out stuff, you know, about guys each and every day. And um, it's, uh, it gets a little complicated sometimes talking about mechanics, but uh, Uh Tyson would be the first to say it's, it's well, his turnaround duly noted that Darren Balsley has been an instrument, uh, very instrumental in his turnaround at his big league career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my opinion, I feel like one of the best moves the Padres made this offseason was, mm-hmm. was keeping Balsley on. I think Andy Green made a great decision in that. Yeah, I, I do too, and he's very well respected. And let's face it, you know what? I know for a fact Darren Balsley has had chances to go to other organizations. Oh, definitely. Uh, oh, yeah, other other organizations are just, you know, would would salivate if, um, if he was no longer Padres pitching coach. Somebody would get themselves a darn good pitching coach. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, that's that's without a doubt. We we all appreciate the the effort that he's put in, and, and the you know the amount of uh, players that have come out of nowhere basically to have success with the in the Padre uniform is is a big credit to Darren as as, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. He, um, you know what? He works so hard, guys. Um, sorry to jump on you there, James. But yeah, no worries. No worries. He, uh, you know, like I said, I go in the office and he's always watching video. He comes up with these scouting reports that are just unbelievable. He runs off the the scouting reports and he puts them in all the pitchers chairs and then they have their pitchers meetings and they go over each and every hitter. And, uh, believe me, um, when somebody, you know, says to, uh, to me, Hey, has Balsley ever thought about this? Believe me, he's thought about it. And he just Mm -hmm. diligently works day in and day out, puts hours in to try to make his pitching staff better. That's how good he is. Nice. You know, what do you think that, uh, you know, if you had a Darren Balsley back in your pit, your pitching, I think it would have made a world of difference for you. <laughs> you know what, James? We talk about that all the time because uh, Darren and I have become very good friends, and we um, we talk quite a bit. And I tell him just that. I said, "Gosh, balls! I I wish I had you as a pitching coach, man." He goes, he goes, he, he looks at me, he goes, "Mud, you would have you would have won a Cy Young award." He goes, <laughs> "You would have won twenty games." I said, "Well, I don't know about going that far. I'd probably have a, a record of at least above five hundred, hopefully. But uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't go so far as uh, winning a Cy Young award or twenty game winner. But no, it's." 
You know, pitching the pitching coach role has changed over the last uh, couple decades. Uh, back mm-hmm. when I, you know, back when I was coming up, it was just you know throw strikes, stay back, stay on top. Um, it just a lot just wasn't thrown my way as far as mechanics and trying to, and, and really not the best pitching coaches in, in the minor leagues. So it, it's really come a long way. Yeah, you think you think video has a lot to do with that as far as an analysis and stuff. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, it's it's very critical. Um, you, you get so much when you watch videos. Yeah. Uh, get to, you know you get to see the hitter swing what the you know your release point uh, where you are on the mound where you are uh, your stride uh, so much more uh, and, and more information obviously uh, leans towards uh, getting better and, and knowing more about what you're all about so um, I, I started watching video a little later in my career mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't so apparent early on but uh, yeah it's, it's a great help Nice, nice. Uh, so, have you thrown any uh, batting practice recently? You know uh, what? I haven't, and I haven't thrown batting practice in about six or seven years. I would love to get out there and just oh. maybe for, for you know fifteen twenty minutes. That's a workout for me. Uh, <laughs> to because um, you know I had no problem throwing batting practice during my career. So why not just to try to help the pirate hitters? <laughs> you know, I, I can get them in a groove. I can find the heart of the plate with the best of them. So, nice. but it's a great way to go out. To, I like going to the ballpark early. I like. Um, you know, being in the clubhouse and just hanging out, and if uh, you know, throwing batting practice is um, uh, is something that I really, really enjoy to do. I don't know, maybe I should turn over a new leaf and start that up again. But plus, you know, it'd be a good workout. I need to work yeah. out. Yeah, James, definitely. let's make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Grant for BP. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I think we'd be uh, we'd be remiss if, if we didn't uh, discuss the Tim Flannery uh, situation that happened a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on on what he said? Uh, you know, I, I agree a lot of what he said, uh, not necessarily as far as the current regime is concerned, but, you yeah. know, what, what are your thoughts on, on uh, Mr. Farnley? Well, first, let's remember that Tim mentioned that um, he was let go with Boach by the other regime, as you mentioned, James, and that's that's duly noted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are different levels of passion in this game, whether it's coaches, managers, players, and Tim has always been a passionate guy. Um, he is a guy who will uh, state his feelings and stick by it and be very, very uh, true to what he means and what he says. Um, me personally, uh, I would never go out and say something like that, so I can't speak for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, I don't know. I, I can only speak personally. You know, I'm I'm one that's um, that's kind of always going to take the high road. And, and, and here's another issue too. Uh, you know, if somebody and, and I've learned along the way as well. You know, social media, uh, if you're going to get in an argument with somebody on social <laughs> media, it's really not the best thing. You shouldn't let somebody in social media get under your skin and, and get into a, you know, a, a Twitter war or whatever. So, you know, I, there, there's been some situations when I've, you know, gone back and forth with some fans and stuff like that. And, but, you know, I think back, you know, what, why am I doing that? I'm doing the best I can to try to be prepared for a game, uh, do the best I can each and every night. And if somebody's got an opinion, hey, that's their opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, was it a little harsh? No, absolutely. Uh, that's just my opinion, but I, I would never go that far to do something like that. And that's what uh, you know. That's what uh, Tim Flannery is all about. He's very passionate, and uh, I don't. Did he kind of? Did he? He didn't retract anything, but he kind of apologized for his rant, didn't he? Later on, yeah, he, he apologized. Uh, you know, a little bit for it, but you know, he stood by what he we said, and you know, yeah. 
that's per- per- perfectly understandable. I mean, he, he had those feelings and he has those feelings and, and you know, he's entitled to his opinion, but sure. Uh, it, yeah, you know, it, it, was, it just caught a lot of Padre fans off guard, if you will. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. A lot of people were were ticked off, and rightfully so. They're Padre fans, and when somebody says something negative about their team, um, you know, it it, it doesn't go over well. Yeah, yeah I think he apolog- I think he apologized more for how the message was conveyed, and not necessarily right. the content exactly. of the message. Like, right? He's like, I I've said this, and I mean it, but I probably shouldn't have said it in such a in such a way, basically. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is what it is. He, like I say, he's entitled to his opinion, and uh, I'm sure there's a little bit of, um, you know, anger in, in him as far as how things, uh, you know, separated as far as the Padres and, and him are concerned. But you know, I'm glad to see the Padre fans stood up and and were pretty angry with that. It shows the passion that they're sure. having, it, and it's good to see, it, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I was right there too when I read. It, I was like, ooh, I was kind of cringing a little bit and scratching my head. Uh, because, you know, being a Padre guy, I, I love this Padre team. I love everything about it, and I'm going to back up my team. So, um, hey, it's water under the bridge, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully things turn around this year to where people can uh, have something to cheer about. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, uh, I got a question here from uh, your favorite East County, East County resident, uh, Mickey Coke. Oh, uh, yeah. He, uh, he would like to know uh, how difficult it is uh, from time to time to keep uh, inside information uh, in the locker room basically off the air. Good question. Very good question because, you know, in this game of baseball, there really aren't a lot of secrets with, with Internet these days and information as far as statistics and stories and stuff like that. Um, things get out there. Uh, but that's a very good question. I am a firm believer of if I get some inside information, it's not going to help me. Like, let's say, because I, w- I would go in and talk to Buddy quite a bit and say, hey, who's hurt? Who's got this? Who's got that? He goes, yeah, you might want to not, if, you know, he's not used, you know, you might want to say, um, um, you might want to say this or you might want to say that. Okay. I have built up a trust. Um, part of my job, you know, I, I work for the team. You know, I'm an employee. I, I, I'm with these guys each and every day. So I guess my point is, if if somebody gives me inside information regarding something, First of all, it's not going to do my career any good if I break the news. Mm-hmm. Secondly, if I do, guess what happens? I've just lost that trust in that clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and thirdly, is it really going to change anything? I mean, is it going to be earth-shattering news that I need to break to everybody? Uh, I'm a firm believer of the right people at the right time should break the right news. Um, and like I said, I'm not looking to get my head or my face splattered all over deadspin or awful announcing and you know <laughs> you know come com, uh coming up with the the big inside information that's just not my style mm-hmm. um i'm not looking for notoriety to to break the big story because my main concern is maintaining that trust with the coaches and the players in that clubhouse um and people have said stuff to me off the record but it's always good to know that just so you get an idea of how you might want to approach a certain situation. That's how I deal with it. That's how I deal with it. Okay. It's, it's, oh, man, Mickey Cole coming through big time with a good question. <laughs> nice, yeah. Here, I got another one for you from him. He's, he's a, he's was excited to, to get an opportunity to, to, you know, relay some questions to you, if you will. Um, he would like to know uh, what is your most awkward or uh, basically like a Freudian slip uh, or exchange you've had that almost <laughs> happened on the air. <laughs> Oh gosh! Um, you know what? The, something happened last. It was a couple of years ago. We were in Houston, 
and it was a slow game, and we were talking about um, Dick Enberg was talking about being in the 4-H when he was a kid mm-hmm. back at, back in Michigan. So our director was starting to uh, you know pan the uh, the outfield advertisements, and there was this advertisement that said Ranch 99, and it had a silhouette of a bull. Uh-huh. Because you know, Dick was talking about 4-H and you know raising cattle and raising sheep or whatever, and you know there comes a time where you know you you got to castrate the, the the you know the pigs and all that stuff, and uh-huh. that, that was part of being in 4-H. And well, they showed this picture of the the Ranch 99, and there was a silhouette of a bull, and it, you know it, you could tell it you know it was it had a you know what I'm saying. <laughs> And um, so he's showing the shot, and I go, and I said, hey, is that a bull dick? (laughs) (laughs) Meaning, is that that a bull, comma, capital D-I-C-K? And he he just started laughing, and we started started. We had to hit our cough buttons for about 45 seconds because he couldn't I couldn't contain myself. So that was one of those, like, as, as soon as I said it, it was like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? That is classic. But anyway, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> I guess going off that, I, I wanted to know more about um, where do you get all this stuff? Like, the stuff you say, like, I've been watching games since I was, I don't know, probably like eight or nine years old. And it's right. like Some of the stuff you say is like, where, where do you come up with this stuff? You know what? It's really it's it's really weird, uh, uh, Patrick. Because you know I'm not your cookie cutter announcer, and I, I yeah, think definitely. Because <laughs> you know, I think part of that has to uh, do with growing up um, watching. You know, I watched the Cubs growing up. I watched you know Jack Brickhouse, Harry Carey, mm-hmm. uh, and just. I just, you know, I, I want to inform the the viewers, but I, I just want to be a little different. Whether it's, whether it's, uh, you know, movie lines or song lyrics or Spanish, <laughs> or, or, yeah, or Spanish or whatever, <laughs> just to mix it up a little bit. I mean, you know, any anybody can talk about a routine ground ball, the short, or you know, um, you know, describe a home run. But you know, I feel like, you know, being in the bullpen, maybe uh, being being on you know, on the bench, you, you talk to guys, you. And guys throw out funny lines all the time on the bench, and you think, "Wow, that's you know that's pretty funny for that situation or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, or whether it's a reference." So that's you know talking to people or just doing some stuff online or you know something. I hear a song on the radio or I see a movie, and I want to incorporate it that night. So that's where that stuff comes from. Yeah, I definitely think you you make the broadcast a hell of a lot more fun than it would be otherwise. <laughs> oh well, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> We def- we definitely enjoyed like the, it. Like the, uh, I'm sorry to jump on. No, you go, go for it. Go for the, it. Um, like uh, I've been getting a lot of play on for some reason. I just, you know, the Cuidado Piso Mojado sign. There you go. <laughs> that, that was my next question right there. Yeah. Where, where, just, where? <laughs> I don't know. It's just. Um, <laughs> where did that come from? Is it just something that you know just kind of built up and? Yeah, you know what we have. Um, there's a lot of people who work behind the scenes on our telecast. Uh-huh. Uh, one guy who's a dear friend of mine, his name is Carlos Castro, and he is our A2. He's our sound guy. Uh, he makes sure that our headsets are working. He makes sure that everything in the box, um, you know, our, our um, the talk box back to the, the truck is okay and all the communications. Mm-hmm. And uh, we always drop Spanish on, you know, and I would always ask him, hey, how do you say this in Spanish? How do you say that in Spanish? And um, <laughs> so one day I just said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just randomly just use something in Spanish on a home run call. So, so somebody somebody hits a home run. I think it might have been 
I don't know, Jan Harris Solarte or, or somebody. And all of a sudden on the replay, I just go, Cuidado, Piso Mojado. And, <laughs> and he just lost it. He was in our booth. And then all of a sudden it started to evolve a little bit. So, you know, next time I'm in the bathroom and I'm drying my hands and it says, Lavase sus manos. <laughs> and so I, you know, all of a sudden one time in a home run, I, I said, Lavase sus manos. And people are like, What is that all about? I said, It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, having uh, fun. It's, you know, that's what it's all about. So that's, and then I, you know, all the signs and stuff. Now when I travel, um, I'll see those cuidado signs, and you know, people are, people are, you know, taking pictures and tweeting them themselves. So, uh, which I think is pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've seen a lot of uh, interaction with you and with fans on Twitter with uh, you know wet floor signs, and I've always wondered what the what the connection was, and, and now I now I know. So I've, yeah, I want to I want to get one for the booth too. So I want to. I want to get one for our broadcast. Have you seen the one that's shaped like a banana? Yeah, I was just yeah, exactly. I saw that on on one of your Twitter feeds. Yeah, I thought that was pretty. Rad. I want to get my hands on one of those. I think they'd be pretty cool for the booth. Yeah. Okay, so you know, going off that, uh, I know uh, working with Don Orsillo is going to be new for you. You know, talk to me about uh, the interaction that you've had with him, and he also seems to you know enjoy having a good time and having fun uh, during in the booth. So talk to me about uh, Don and, and what you expect working with him. Yeah, well, Don and I met when the first time Boston played the Padres in interleague. I think we've been there th- twice, and they've been here once. Um, but uh, you know, as broadcasters, you you know, you introduce one another and you talk a little bit and just get to talk about the team. And I've heard nothing but good things about Don. Uh, being in the American League, didn't get to see him that much, but he's um, you know, he, let's not forget he he loves to have a good time. He knows the game, but first and foremost, he's a darn good broadcaster. Um, and I think if fans out there want to get to know Don Orsillo a little bit, just go to YouTube. And there's a lot of things out there with he and Jerry Remy, who are very popular in New England mm-hmm. with, the, with the Red Sox. So Boston's loss is definitely our gain. So Don yeah. and I, Don and I have been in touch. Um, like I said, we've only met you know face to face prior to him coming here, like maybe three times. But okay. after spending some time with him, you know, it's it's like we've known each other for 20 years. So uh, nice. he's gonna, he's going to be great. And you know, working with Dick the last. Uh, Six years has been awesome. Uh, I grew up listening to Dick Enberg do every sport imaginable. Um, you know, back in the day when there wasn't ESPN, it's all the, uh, you know, the Fox uh, one and two and three and four and all that stuff. You know, there was only there was a game of the week and there was uh, football games. Uh, you know, you look forward to, and he was the voice of that. So um, he's had a great career. He'll be missed and. Um, you know, a new chapter in Padre uh, baseball is going to be in the booth, and that was going to be a huge part. Yeah, no, we we, had, we were lucky enough to get to have Don on our on our podcast, one of our first podcasts. And oh, nice! It was it was, it was fun talking to him and uh, reliving like the pizza incident. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, yeah, him, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's fun seeing you know someone that's going out there and enjoying themselves. And, did, and... You, did you see the one where Jerry Remy lost his tooth? Yes. No. Oh, that was that it? was a great one too. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's that's a lot. That's very funny as well. So, yeah, go to YouTube, Don Arcillo. There's a few. There's a, there's a handful of uh, great moments out there that uh, that are funny. And here's right. hoping you and him have plenty of great moments here. Going oh, forward. I'm sure we will. You know, I, hopefully it's a long uh, a long um, relationship. And uh, in that Padre booth, uh, I love my job. I love my work. Uh, I love the people I work with. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Okay. Uh, you know, talk to us a little bit about uh, you know the two San Diego sports icons, uh, Jerry Coleman and Tony Gwynn. You know yeah. what they meant to you, and, and and just a little little quick 
little quick thing on, on both of them, if you will. Well, Tony, you know, what can you say about him? I had the pleasure of playing with him and then in the broadcast booth, um, humble as they come, did all his talking with his bat and his glove. Tony was a giver. He was always, you know, a lot of things under the radar. He helped many, many families, he and Alicia, um, children, kids, um, without us knowing about it, didn't want notoriety, just a heart of gold, and uh, just just really messed up in that booth. Um, Tony and I became better friends, actually, as broadcasters. You know, I was a pitcher. He was a position player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just, you know, we didn't hang out all that much, but uh, we got to know each other better as broadcasters. Uh, Jerry Coleman, got to know him as a Padre when I first came over here in 1987 and just became good friends. Uh, once again, better friends as announcers because I'd see him every day. But just the stories and just his, just his, you know, humble uh, attitude and um, just <laughs> just his stories, you know, talking yeah. back to the Yankee days. And uh, he didn't like to talk about the war, but, uh, you know, there were times when he would he would say some things and it was just, I'd just be dumbfounded and just you can't imagine, you know, anybody going through what he went through. But uh, two big voids in, in Padre uh, baseball, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, going to the ballpark each and every day, those are two big voids. Yeah, no, they're, they're both greatly missed, and, and it's yep. uh, it's 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 kind of shocking still thinking that they're both gone. I know. Yeah, I, I would imagine even for you, even in more particular. I mean, just hearing Tony's voice and his laugh is just yeah. still gets me, still gets me go, gets me to this day. You know. Yeah, you know what? There's going to be. Um, we did a roundtable last month, and it's going to air during yeah. All Star All Star break. Yeah, I think you may oh. have seen some on Twitter. Yeah, with with Greg Vaughn and, and a couple other uh, players. Yeah. It was a great panel. It was John Boggs, Tony's agent, Chris Gwynn, his brother, Trevor, me, uh, Greg Vaughn, Dave Stewart, Mark Sweeney, and Merv Redman. And we wow. just we just wow. reminisced about Tony and tried to come up with stories that the general public really didn't know about Tony because we all know what happened on the field. But it's, okay. I think it's going to air during All-Star break, and I think it's going to be an hour special. So okay. that's going to okay. be something to tune into. Wow, they're gonna put some production time into that. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. We we had some great stuff. It was it was a great night. Good. Yeah, I I saw that from the Al Smith, and I was really curious on on you know what what that interview was about and stuff. So it's cool to to get that information yep. from you. Okay, uh, a couple more questions, Mark, and then uh, we'll let you get uh, out of here. Okay. Um, you know, did you have any thoughts on on Harry Carey? I know you were a huge Cubs fan growing up. Um. <laughs> Talk to talk to Harry. Talk to me a little bit about Harry and, and what the, his style of broadcasting meant to you. Yeah, there was a great documentary on Harry on MLB Network. Did you guys see that recently? Yes, I did. Yes, yeah, I did. and you know what? I, I've told people this all along. You know, you're a product of your environment growing up. You know, socially, um, sports wise, I believe. Um, you know, I grew up in a blue collar town and really didn't have a lot growing up, but had a great mom and dad. Food was always on the table and clothes on our back and you know, went to good schools. And then from the sports side, I had the luxury of um, having WGN along with the three other stations and watching Cubs baseball. So um, early on, as I mentioned earlier, I listened to Jack Brickhouse. And then um, once he retired, then, you know, there was Milo Hamilton a little bit and uh, and then Harry Carey. Um, and I believe you're a product of your environment from a sports world too. You know, people love Vin Scully. I love Vin Scully who lived in LA. That's what they listened to growing up. I listened to Harry. I loved his style. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit I'm a homer. I, I root for my home team. I root for the team I played for. And Harry did just that. And he, he was different. He broke the mold, man. And, um, he, he was a, he was a man of the people. He, he had a passion for the game. 
Um, he loved going to the ballpark, and he did it in a different way, and I think that resonated with a lot of people. So um, I, I loved him. I loved listening to him. I had a chance to meet him as a player and as an announcer. So um, that's uh, – that's just someone that I just really admired because he was himself. You know, he he was himself every time he was on the mic, and uh, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah, definitely. You know, it it it, it goes through the the airways, if you will, if you if you're uncomfortable or or if you're just you know spitballing and just you know just having yeah. fun, and uh, it definitely comes across that that you have that type of uh, broadcasting skill that that Harry does, and it, it's yeah, it, it, well. It, and, you know, if I could take that a step further, it's not that I want to be like Harry Carey. I want to be myself. And that's – I remember getting into this business playing the Dodgers. Um, I went over to talk to Vin Scully. It was my first year. And I said, you know, Mr. Scully, first, you know, in the, new in the business, is there any advice? And the, the first thing he said was be yourself. Just be yourself. Know the game. Be prepared. And just be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else. And that's, you know, I don't want to be like Harry Carey. I mean, I love his passion that he had. Uh, I don't want to be like Vin Scully. You know, I want to be likable and I want to be um, prepared like, like Vin Scully, but also I want to be myself as well. So that's the best advice that he gave me. Nice. Nice. You, you can't ask for anything better from a, a veteran broadcaster to, to give you a, uh, you know, yeah. advice like that. I would definitely Absolutely. say you're taking that advice to heart. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. I just wanted to ask you uh, one more thing, kind of not really pod related, just baseball related. Um, what are your thoughts on, I guess, the influx of sabermetrics, advanced stats, kind of, kind of new school way of thinking compared to like probably what you're used to, more old school thinking? What are your thoughts on kind of that difference? First, you have to realize you're, you're talking to a guy with a high school education. Okay, I can't even spell algebra. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't even spell calculus. Uh, but no, you know what? I think there's a spot for it. I think there's a place for it, and I think it's very intriguing. I specifically want to learn it more. I try to. I try to learn as much as I can about it because it can get very, very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does have a place when warranted. And, and the thing is that I think as a broadcaster, we we have to try to explain it to people in a, the simplest form. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, because baseball, you know, there's not a lot of dead time to where you can explain war. Yeah. Or FIP or, you know, some of the other ones, batted balls in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it can get complicated. So we need to come up with a way to, whether it's graphically during a game, like on the side of the screen or something, to like bullet points on what we're talking about. Um, am I going to go overboard on it? No, because I don't want the listener to really think too much. When I think when you have the viewer thinking too much, I think that kind of deters them from uh, – it takes kind of like uh, the fun of watching a game out of it. So mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not a bad thing. Uh, I'm not going to be – I'm not going to be Bill James and I'm not going to go over the top, but I do want to learn it as, as much as I can. So when warranted, I can use it. And it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I think it's definitely a, a whole new challenge for a broadcaster to try to keep it between like, I guess, simplistic and more advanced yeah. without making the viewer too. I don't want to say confused, but kind of like for the layman's fan. Cause a lot of people don't, the lot of people watching don't know a lot about baseball in terms of like the advanced stuff. So you don't want to keep it too boring, I guess. Right, exactly right. You don't want them to think too much. Yeah. That's my philosophy. Definitely a delicate balance to keep between the two. Right. But it's always good that you're op- it's good that you're open to it, you know? <laughs> oh, no, absolutely, because I think it has its place. Mm-hmm. And I think when, when you look at a certain statistic or a sabermetrics um, uh, situation or a, a stat, it, you look at it and you say, oh, okay, well, now I get it. And that, that makes that makes perfect sense. 
Mm-hmm. Just okay. a whole other way to explain whatever phenomenon in the game you're talking about. Right. All right. Definitely. So going off that, I wanted my last question was was uh, basically your thoughts on the next season. Uh, what are you most looking forward to in uh, Padres baseball for 2016? Well, some excitement. Some uh, you know. Here, here's what I'm looking forward to. I'm hope. I'm, I'm, one of the questions we're going to ask Andy when I get a chance after everything's calmed down a little bit is like, what type of manager are you going to are you going to be? Um, and I know a lot of that is predicated on the type of talent that he has. Is he going to be a guy that's going to take chances as far as more more hit and run, more stealing, um, you know, more a more aggressive uh, style type of baseball? That's that's one of my questions going to be. Um, mm-hmm. Like for instance, not just put on a hit and run, just to put on a hit and run. I don't mean that, but you know, what what type of style is he going to have? Um, I'm looking forward to the 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 pitching bouncing back. Uh, you know, I think last year was kind of like a fluke. Um, and I hope the defense, you know, I know the defense is going to be a lot better as well. So those are the few things. And you know what, if I had to put, I, I'm not a, I don't like, I'm not in the prediction business. I don't have a crystal ball, but, and I would love to eat a big plate of crow at the end of the year. But, uh, <laughs> I put, I, I think I said maybe 72 wins this year, maybe 73, mm-hmm. uh, 72, 73 on the win column. So, Hey, I'll be the first one to say, Hey, you know what? Prove me wrong. Um, I, you know, I want this team to win 95 games. I mean, mm-hmm. don't, don't get me wrong, but um, when you look at everything objectively, and uh, Lynn, like I said, I would love to sit down and eat that plate of crow and um, uh, have the Padres win, you know, 85, 90 games. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. I see low to mid 70s at best. Because yeah, because let's face it, they lost Upton, right? Mm-hmm. They lost Upton, and he led in almost every offensive category. Somebody's going to have to pick up that slack. Is it one guy, or is it going to have to be three guys? Mm-hmm. And if it's three guys, those guys are going to have to have career years to where they're going to have to make up those, you know, those 26 home runs and those 19 stolen bases and those, um, you know, the all, all those numbers. Um, yeah. So you know that that's a big that's a big void when you lose an offensive player like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, Andy Green definitely has his work cut out for him, and you know we'll just hope that his uh, transformation to the winning culture will will be a little more uh, faster than than what we're anticipating. Yep, a new chapter in Padreville, and uh, it all starts uh, right now. So hopefully, we're talking good things as this summer goes on in this All Star season here in San Diego. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, exciting season for sure. Okay, uh, last question I have for you: Will the Rally Shillelagh uh, make an appearance? <laughs> Good question. You know, I got to track it down. It's around here somewhere. I think uh, you know it couldn't hurt, right? Yeah, with this yeah, with I, this team, uh, I think we, we might need it a couple of days out of the week. Yeah, well, that'll be my homework. I got to track that down. I know it's somewhere around here, um, so I'll have to track that down and bust that thing out. And maybe hit Orsillo over the head with it a couple <laughs> times during the course of the year. But no, that uh, that's a good call. Uh, I think we should yeah. bring that back, and hopefully, all the Padres swinging hot shillelaghs this summer. Yeah, we 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 can definitely hope for that for sure. Okay, Perfect. well, Mud, thank you so much for joining us, Mud. Um, we appreciate it. You know, I know you're a busy guy, and we really appreciate you taking the time and, and talking some baseball with us. Well, James and Patrick, thank you very much. Um, I'll catch you guys on Twitter. I always like your stuff, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Great. Thank, thank you. you so much, man. Pleasure. You have a great day, and uh, we look forward to uh, hopefully talking to you again soon. All right, guys. Be well. Take care. Thank you. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, Mark Grant was uh, – gracious enough to stop by and, and talk a little Padre baseball with us. Uh, it's uh, always interesting to hear his uh, his point of view on the team. Um, Patrick, uh, anything news-wise that we need to uh, discuss before we uh, head out of here? 
No, I think it's been pretty quiet. Uh, we're about, what, a week from games, so we're getting there. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be exciting seeing uh, the Rule 5 get guys get out there and, and some of the new uh, pickups uh, in a Padre uniform. It'll be uh, it'll be exciting to see uh, Alexi Ramirez, John Jay, and, and, and company out there. So um, very good times. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, baseball season, and, and we're excited. The best time of the year. Yeah, definitely. Okay, folks, well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Patrick, if you want to go through our, uh, our little spiel at the end. Yep, uh, give us a follow on Podbean. Um, we're also on iTunes. Give us a review on there. East Village Times podcast on both. Just give us a search on Google or whatever. Um, EastVillageTimes.com is where we post our work. Um, this podcast will be up today, obviously. Um, that's pretty much it, James. Cool. Thank you so much, uh, Patrick and uh, Mark Grant, for uh, being our guest, our guest today. We have a couple of uh, exciting uh, guests lined up for next week as well. So uh, look forward uh, to giving some more uh, exclusive information here on uh, East Village Times. Um, East Village Times podcast, signing out. <laughs> <laughs>